You ask too many questions. Girl what? I don't know. I just want to start a fight. Girl, be back. We got telepathy. I got you. You got me. I got you and you got me. And we got telepathy. We're back. It's 2020. We're ready to slay the year, the decade, the century. Oh, babe, that was so a decade ago. Girl, bye. So how are you doing? I'm talking to people like they're talking to me back. I'm just so happy to be back. You're so last decade. (laughs) You know what? You're so comic sans. The last time I recorded an episode was like in the last decade. (laughs) You're so annoying. (laughs) You don't love me podcast or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I hate you. We're still married, unfortunately. Hello and welcome to the You Don't Love Me podcast. You don't love me. Okay, I would like to take a vote and um, start a board meeting about the You Don't Love Me podcast. I feel like we should change the title of the podcast officially to the the You Don't Love Me podcast of doom. Listen, bitch, this is going to be a forever argument because you own 50% of the company. I know I own 50%. So we're in lockerheads about this. Where is all this money if we're owning this company? I don't know. (laughs) Give me my money. So... It's been a while. What have you been up to? What's happened with the You Don't Love Me podcast? <laughs> just gone shitter and shitter. <laughs> okay, so fun fact, guys. Literally, like, half an hour before we were recording this segment, I had the headphones in, and I turned around and went, ooh, what's that? And the whole equipment just, like, fell. Laptop, microphones, microwave, everything. I was I was cutely just eating chocolate in the I, kitchen. I don't so. know why there was a microwave there, but it fell. We do not have a microwave in our makeshift studio. What do you want to something? <laughs> what know. you want to do is not necessarily what you're gonna do. So yeah, welcome back, guys. I hope you guys had a good break. We had a great time not recording. Well, if no one listens to this now. <laughs> Listen, bitch, if it's just you and me, I don't give a shit. Girl, I'm loving what I'm listening to because it's me. You know damn right that when we're like 80 years old, <laughs> we're going to be sat in the nursing home and be like, welcome to the you don't... Love me, and it's just going to be you and me listening to it back, laughing our asses off. And by then, it'll definitely be of doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't love me podcast in diapers. But yeah, we're back. We, we had an extended break. Um, we went to New York. It was a really good time. And we had our first, what should we call it, live show? Yes. We presented, yeah, hosted yeah, yeah. our first live show with Club Cali. Okay, so let's break London. it down first. Break it we down had for bitch. our holiday. We went to New York, and we had a sickening time. What are you doing? Listen, you're just running around in the background, and that's going to make sound issues. I'm going to have to sit here and fucking edit the shit out of it. And then you're going to be like, babe, where are you? What are you doing? You like a challenge. It's a new decade. You need a new challenge. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, a new decade. Still old, withered old me. Okay, so yeah, we went to New York. We had a great time. We had the flu. <laughs> Yeah, for a few days. So we were bedridden for like four days, which was great. But it was like really surreal because we were bedridden. And then if we walked out of our flat and looked left, you could see the World Trade Center. So it was like we're dying, but in a great place. Oh, definitely. And we saw some great drag queens, drag acts, blah, blah, blah. You seem really impatient. You want to get on to the next point? Some that we might be having on the podcast this year. Who knows? Well, let's not say that because we haven't recorded it yet. <laughs> yeah, we've got a few... Um, exciting drag queens and 
people that we're going to be recording with. And if Obama <laughs> because, wants to come because on... Because drag queens are people. Uh, <laughs> what's wrong with me? I know. If Obama wants to record, we're here for you. Yeah. And if Obama wants to record, my I'm just a whole... So. <laughs> we're talking about Michelle Obama here, by the way. Oh, I was talking about Barack. Okay, then, girl. So, yeah, we did our first um, live Barack, show. I'll get on my and back. Please I'm stop. attracted to power, bitch. What's wrong with me? Anyway, what are we talking about? What the fuck are you doing? I, I hate don't you. Know. Just please cut everything out. Yeah, because you are out of nowhere like talking about the Obamas. Yeah, no, because they're, they're cute. It's all about Donald Trump now. <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> Toilet Trump. <laughs> okay, then Donald. <laughs> Donald Trump. I just made such a great dad joke there. Okay, go that on. That was wasted on you youthful people. <laughs> Anywho, toilet Trump. <laughs> I hate you. I have to live with this shit. Um, we, um, yeah, we did our first live show and it was amazing. We learned a lot from it as well. We did that in London and it was incredible with Club Cali. And we had some amazing performers as well with us, you know, um, Val Qaeda. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's going to be on today's uh, yes. episode? Yes. Um, uh, Minara L. Waters. Minara L. Waters, Bolly Ditz Dolly. And Ebony Rose Dark. Ebony Rose Dark. I feel like we're missing a few. And me and you. Oh, oh yes. Mm-hmm. Can I just say that I did a, I did my own first spoken word and people cried and it was like earth shattering. So I'm just saying I'm sickening. But as much as I'd hate to admit it, it did have the <laughs> it did have the loudest loudest applause. Well, what do you expect when you got such a preface? Um, yeah, and if you guys like his poetry, follow him on a underscore h underscore poetry. Yay! I finally remembered because I couldn't remember on the night. Um, and uh, yeah, there was this international superstar that um, descended from the heavens that night. All the way from where? The exotic land of Bradford. And her name is Lady Bushra. <laughs> and she will be appearing in some future episodes, won't she? <laughs> okay, so we ha- I have an alter ego that I've developed called Lady Bushra of Bradford. And I feel like the drag queens are really embracing Lady Bushra of Bradford, but I'm not a drag queen. But it's just some dumb shit that I do. And and I, I kind of uh, did a comedy act with Lady Bushra uh, on the night. And uh, it went down really well, I think. It was hilarious. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun doing it. I had my wig on, my Jonathan Van Ness wig. I bought this gorgeous sari from like this charity shop in Bradford for like five pounds. And uh, I was living my fantasy, really. It Girl, it fun. was not a fantasy. Yeah, I was living my reality, should I say. Mm-hmm. Um, it went really well. I enjoyed yeah, it. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for coming. And thank you so much for your positive feedback. We just had some really great meetings with people. Um, we, you know, we enjoyed interacting with everyone who came. And, uh, well, all what we can say is watch this space. Other things are in the works. And you never know what where we might be next. Work? So... <laughs> This week's episode, babe. Yes. This first episode of the year, we have a guest, don't we? The first episode of the decade. Girl. And we recorded this last decade. Yeah, we did. Yeah. That's crazy. Do you know what? We're running out of decade jokes because like, <laughs> the new year was like fucking 10 years ago. <laughs> so our guest is um, a drag queen from Manchester because this year we're going to do a bit of... Um, We've been inspired by some of the Manchester drag scene, haven't we? And a bit of a Manchester showcase throughout the year. We went to see the Curiosity Cabaret Cabaret Act in Manchester and we were just blown away at how great they were at queer representation, how thriving the nightlife is in Manchester. And we thought, hey, why don't we make this about ourselves? So (laughs) we brought it to the podcast. (laughs) We were like, hey, good for you guys. 
back to us. So what we've done is we, we're doing a little bit of a Manchester showcase where we're trying to get drag artists um, to come onto the podcast and tell us a little about a little bit about themselves and why they deserve to be on season two of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> or season three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine. Great. Ten. You can count. Good for you. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, we've got a few people, um, of which um, Valkyrie is an integral part. And she is really, really funny and really interesting. Girl, we, were, had that drag- car- we, we had a few car journeys with her. Yeah. And they we, were hilarious. Yeah. So, Valkyrie, um, who is Manchester resident-based drag queen, um, she was part of our live um, event, the Jolly Body Cabaret in London. And uh, she was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. If you guys haven't seen her, you know, do listen to this episode. You'll get to know a lot more about her and make sure to visit her Insta page and see some of her performances and go see her in Manchester. I mean, she's just so funny. So, so funny. And I love her performance and her outfits. Oh, girl. Yeah. Yeah. What a legendary icon. So... Here she is, Val Qaeda. Without further ado. Oh, yeah. Also, I kept on... Um, okay, I'm not going to say that on the podcast, but yeah, we'll say it. it happened on the live event. I can't do it now. Okay, then. Oh, I know what you're going to do. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not going to do yeah, it. Don't no, do it now. Let's leave it to Shakira. Uh, yeah. Go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, here's Val Qaeda. Hope you guys enjoy. See you on the other side. Okay, so uh, I'm a, I think we should effectively have you started recording start, yeah i started recording ages ago oh, but is it recording yeah yeah yeah, it's recording okay work so um, we have a um, special guest this week do we yes who is this goes person? by the name of valkaida interesting name don't you think babe yeah i love that name so hey val hey babes. this is so weird i'm so used to hearing you on my phone and like you're just right here on my screen yeah i know right it's like we're real people the power of technology i know i don't want to think of you as real people you're just brown celebs to me (laughs) (laughs) but then you're you're gonna hear yourself as well which is gonna be interesting isn't it oh not really i hate my fucking voice but you know what me too i hate (laughs) listening to myself it's so weird like your voice isn't actually how you ever think it sounds like i remember the first time i heard it and i was like wow who is this 12 year old girl speaking Anyway, yes, welcome, Val Qaeda. Welcome to the You Don't Love Me podcast. Thank you, really excited. How are you doing today? Really good. I did just wake up about half an hour ago, so I'm a bit groggy, but I didn't go out on, like, you guys, so... No, it was, it was, just, it was just me. <laughs> oh, just you then. I thought you were stopping drinking. Well, I can still go out and have a good time. Yeah, true. Not but me. I, I'm not stopping drinking. I'm just drinking less. It's armoured. You're stopping drinking, aren't you? Yeah, I'm the one with the drinking problem, so I'm the one who stopped drinking now. When <laughs> <laughs> well, you came to cruise, you weren't drinking though, were you? No, neither of us were. Oh, well, fair enough then, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we saw each other, was it a couple of weekends ago, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, the 28th or something, I don't know. Well, it'll be yeah. longer when this has been posted. Yeah, 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 so it'll be so last, like year last year. This... Yeah, last year. <laughs> yeah, no, I-, I was sober when we met Val, um, and I haven't been drinking, well, I've stopped drinking now, and yesterday, Amir went out, out on the Raz. Not on the Raz, just And I sat, I sat at home, like, you know, Brie Vanderkamp from Desperate Housewives and wrote Christmas cards, so that was fun. <laughs> Just chilling in your kitchen, making you samosas, waiting for your husband to come home. I was, yeah. That is him down to a T. He just loves (laughs) cooking. Oh, well, today, well, last night, actually, I was cooking, well, I was cooking for today after this podcast. I've got people coming over. And I was actually cooking for 
12 people and never cooked for 12 people before. So my housemate's having this little gay Christmas thing. So I cooked chicken quinoa for 12 people and like I spent loads of time on it and everyone's bringing their own thing. And my housemate's like, why are you bringing so much? It's fine. I was like, bitch, you don't understand. I'm Asian. We feed. We can't, we can't do one plate. Everyone has to be able to have a second plate. I can't just do that. Oh my gosh. Okay. So like, let's just break this down. First of all, 12 people. Wow. That's amazing. I wish I could host a dinner for 12 people. And it's not because I'm not able to, it's just because I don't know that many people. <laughs> I don't have that many friends. Yeah. They're not even my friends and my housemates friends. And like, I was like, Oh, right. I guess I'll come see you because I live there. And he was like, you have to make some food. And I was like, bitch, I fucking live here. I pay rent. And he was like, make some fucking food. <laughs> I'll just make some chicken quinoa or something. And hopefully everyone will like it. Because otherwise it's going to make me look bad. I absolutely <laughs> love chicken quinoa so much. Oh, my oh, God. Oh. It's my favorite food. Oh, I fucking love it. Oh, I might cook tonight now. We'll see, babe. I want to. Okay, do you know what I've realised? We've just gone on a full-on Asian housewife rant, reunion, whatever it is. And we haven't even done a formal introduction. Val, who are you and why? Um, I ask myself that every time I wake up. Honestly, like, <laughs> who am I and why am I awake and why did I not die in my sleep? Uh, <laughs> no, um, I'm Val Qaeda. I'm from Manchester. I'm a drag queen from Manchester. Um, and bitch, I'm brown. Um, I'm Pakistani. But apparently I have some Turkish in me on my dad's side, like my great granddad's side, so... That's cute. Thank you. A bit of Turkish. So you're Pakistani and then a little bit of Turkish from your dad's side, you were saying? Yeah, I never say I'm Pakistani and like half Turkish because I'm not, but like my dad said his great granddad or something was Turkish. Oh. Yeah. Don't know. How cool. You met right, okay, that was a lovely introduction, but you didn't you you didn't mention that you're that you're beautiful as well. You're absolutely stunning. I love your persona. When oh. we saw you in Manchester, you looked amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So what what got you into drag? How did it all begin? Oh god. Well, um I used to work in one of the bars in Manchester, like behind the bar, um the gay bar, obviously. And um, I used to, like, they used to have be this night with both the drag queens, like, a weekly night. And one of, one of them was, like, quite a good friend with me. And she just kept saying to me, like, every week, um, I want to put you in drag. And I'm like, fuck no, because at this point, I was, yeah, completely comfortable. I was working at a gay bar. But, like, the idea of, like, dressing as a woman felt, made me feel uncomfortable. And they just kept saying, like, literally every week for about two months, just like, I want to put you in drag, I want to put you in drag. And then she was like, this theme's coming up because it was theme nights and I think you'd really suit it, we should do it. And I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'll do it. I'll do it just this once. So she's, like, super fucking talented. Like, she's called Giselle. Um, She's based from Leeds, but she's moved to Manchester. Um, And she's super, super talented makeup artist. She's been in, like, the Nick Space Awards final many times. And um, she did my face. So I didn't actually get to experience, like, the whole busted first time in drag thing because I had this, like, (laughs) world-class makeup artist doing my fucking face. But the outfit building and everything, like, was all me. And... When I did it, I kind of forgot about how uncomfortable I felt. Like, until I had that first tequila, I was a bit uncomfortable. But I had the tequila and I was just living my life. And I was like, this is really fun. And I just carried on doing it. Oh, wow. So wh- why do you think it made you feel uncomfortable initially? Um, I don't know. I feel like being gay is one thing um like it took me quite a long time to 
feel comfortable with that. Like, I was never like, oh, no, I'm not gay, but just to feel comfortable being completely who I am, not pretending to be masked all the time, um, which was very what I was like early on when I first came out sort of thing. I just think that that was like a whole nother level of like, like man dressing as a woman sort of thing and values that have been instilled in you like as a kid like but growing up Asian and growing up Muslim it's yeah a bit a bit conflicting like even though I was completely happy with being gay it's just that was just it was sort of like a, oh what will people think even though I wasn't in touch with a family at the time anyway like mm. it was like oh what will people think or like oh I don't know if this is right um it's just those are different conflicting feelings really no, that's really, really interesting. And I suppose in a way it's almost sacrilege, isn't it, in, in, in society? Because you as a cisgendered male, you're, you're doing something that's very anti, what's the word? It's very, it's very anti-norm. You know, you're, you're presenting as, as a female or a female illusion. And that, and especially within South Asian society, I suppose that's considered offensive almost. So it's it's a really ballsy and bold move, isn't it? To sort of live your truth and express your art in the way that you want to. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, in like, that's like almost the worst of the worst sort of thing. Like there are some gay people out there that are in contact with their families that um, are Muslim and Asian, but it's like, you've barely got any chance, unfortunately. Gosh. It's like this bit, there's different layers to it. It's like you're brown, you're Muslim and you're gay. And then the drag thing is like, oh, but you're like the super gay now. Yeah, it's like they're diff- absolutely different levels of disowning people. Especially <laughs> like in the Asian community, it's like gay, Right, okay, I'm not going to speak to you for a year, but I'll speak to you after that. So, let's talk about this then. You mentioned family being disowned and uh, that sort of dynamic. So, can I ask, what is your family situation like? Are you in touch with your immediate family? No, I don't think I've spoke to them in, well, since I moved out, well, moved out. I got kicked out when I was 15, um, and I've not spoken to them since Wow. Oh, my God. I And I know I should never ask a lady her age, but then how many years does that make it? How many years have you not been in touch? Well, I'm actually only 15 now, so no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> it happened yesterday. <laughs> That's why I'm late. I was packing my bin bags. So you're, you know, making light of a dark situation. That's quite important, isn't it? Mm. I'm actually just 25, so it's been about 10 years now. Mm. Goodness, goodness. If you don't mind me asking, how did that come about and how did you cope and what did you do? Oh, God, well, everyone always, like, jaw drops when they hear my coming out story. So um, when I was, I think it was in year seven, like, as soon as I knew what gay was, because I didn't know what gay was at all, like, up until year seven when I was in high school, because you just get sheltered from that and you never, you don't even know the word gay. Um, so when I was in year seven, I found out what gay was and people used to be like, oh, you're gay. And I was like, well, what's that? And then they'd tell me and then going to my friends, I'd be like, you know what? I think I actually am then. That makes sense. That makes a lot of fucking sense, bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so from year seven, I was out in high school as like the gay boy. And um, it got to, I think, year... Oh, was it? Was fifteen? Like year ten, um, or year eleven? I can't remember when I was fifteen. But um, yeah, year eleven. Um, so I was fifteen, and um, my maths teacher, who was actually Asian, it was Bengali, I think. 
um like these asian boys in my math class used to like bully me quite a bit because it's like one of our own sort of thing is like a gay person like how disgusting sort of thing so they'd bully me a bit extra hard um luckily there was nothing super super bad because i was friends with like the hottest girls in high school so every straight guy that want to shag them would have to like me to get to them so that was kind of protection um and then the after they were bullying me quite a bit in class sort of they went and it was the end of class and the teacher stops me and he was like Amon, come here and i was like yeah and he said what were they saying and i was like what do you mean what were they saying and he was like oh they were saying you were like gay and that and i was like yeah and he was like what are you and i was like yeah and he just went oh uh, okay and i walked out the classroom and i can't really remember the timeline because it was a bit fuzzy but i think a couple of weeks later um my mom just sort of like screamed from upstairs downstairs to get me to come downstairs so and then came downstairs and she was like sit down so i was like oh shit what's going on here not knowing anything and um, so she sat me down and she was like, so I just got a call. One of your teachers had just called me and said that you're gay. My God. I know. And so it all just went downhill after that. And it pretty much like ended up me being kicked out of there onto the streets. And I luckily had my phone that I bought with my own money because I used to work at Primark at the time. So my first paycheck got spent on a phone so I could call my grandparents to pick me up off the streets. And then um, I went to my grandparents, they picked me up and um, got there and they never asked me why I got kicked out, um, but they just took me in. And then my mum ended up calling my grandparents after a week because she was, she was obviously like really bothered about it and she was saying, oh, you know he's gay, right? That's why I kicked him out. So then that resulted in a lot of violence and I got kicked out of there too with three bin bags in hand, like young independent woman on the streets. Oh my gosh, that's harrowing. Fucking hell. First of all, as a person to deal with that, but at 15 years old, when your mind isn't even fully developed, you don't know what's going on, that's so hard. And also um that breach of trust from that teacher the teacher should not have done that's absolutely vile yeah do you know when we've stopped recording i want you to name and shame them so i can actually lodge a formal fucking complaint against that arsehole oh but i don't even know if he's alive anymore isn't there like a statue of limitations or something because people have told me that and i'm always like it was like 15 years ago guys who cares there is we, we will i promise you we'll talk about it once we've recorded because there's some stuff i know on this val that's that's horrible um but the good thing is i suppose that you are a strong independent woman now of course and and you have i'm assuming a really great self-made family a chosen family around you is that right yeah absolutely like when paul actually says like we get to choose our family we really do like since the age of like 18 like i've had people that I've, I've got people around me since the age of 18 and they've been my best friends and like I'm not one of those people that has a lot of friends so the friends I do have I keep because I know they'll do anything for me and I'll do anything for them so I've got like five best friends and one of them's a, a drag queen Barb who you met when you came to Cruise to see me mm-hmm. she literally lives around the corner for me she's coming around today she's one of the people actually um and my other best friend is Vinny who's a porn star he's brute club um he's quite famous in the UK porn world um Mm. and uh we just clicked because he's he's like 
He's like the he's if I'm Val, he's the Kaida to my drag. <laughs> <laughs> How sweet. And you know, something else that RuPaul says, um, which is true, is I am your family now, and and we're all family, Val. So you know, you've got sisters in um, all places. Yeah, and you've got you've got the sisters with the You Don't Love Me podcast. Yes, exactly. And also, I've got another best friend who's Ellen DeGeneres, who's this gorgeous trans woman who's just moved to Birmingham, but I miss her so much. But she's really, really funny, and she's literally going to be the next biggest thing. She's like the funniest person you'd ever meet. Oh wow! What's that? What's her name again? Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, uh, oh, we wow. follow her on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, do we? Yeah. Um, oh, did, didn't she win something this year? She won Kiki Queens All Stars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, she's absolutely hilarious. Oh wow, wow. Me, Bob, me, Bob, and Ellen were like a threesome. Like we're like, oh, we're just best friends. So. Oh, oh my god. That, does that mean all three of you will be on RuPaul's Drag Race season two? Um. You know, going with uh, experiences, so you you know you were kicked out and you know being raised South Asian and Muslim. So what what do you identify now as re- uh, religiously? Do you identify as Muslim still? Yeah, I still identify as Muslim. I'm not one of the people that are like gonna pray five times a day. Um, I'm still very much, but I'm more spiritual Muslim. So I believe in Allah. I believe in Muhammad. Um, I just believe in being a good person and like. Before I go to bed every day, I do do it the while. I'm like, thank you for all the blessings I have in my life, etc. And asking for a couple more. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm just more spiritual now because I really don't think um, Allah would like make me like this. Because being gay is not a choice. It really isn't a choice. It's it's part of you. Because who would want to have all these hardships put upon them? Like, it's not like get kids out by a family. I didn't choose that. Like, if I if I like. If it was a choice, I would choose not to be gay to get kicked, not get kicked out. So it's like, why would he say gays are this, gays are that, gays are gonna go to hell? And he wouldn't. Like we're all made in his image, and he loves us for who we are. So I just think the most important thing is just be a really good person and still be close to him and make sure that you thank him. That's what I believe in now. Let the church say amen. Let the mosque say amen, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, that's... I love that. That's a good caption. Let, Let the, the mosque, mosque say amen. Yeah, yeah. I love that. But you see, I always feel nervous saying that kind of stuff because obviously I don't identify as Muslim anymore. I'm I'm no longer of the faith. So I always just leave everything aside and, and you know... I think it's important to have them conversations, even as, like, um, gay Muslims and gay ex-Muslims, like, the... We're, we're, we're not like an opposing people. We can always get along and be fine. Do you know what I mean? You do have to remember that you grew up with it all. You have as much right to speak about that sort of stuff. And like, don't feel like guilty or anything like that. Just feel free to be in touch with whatever you want to be with. Do you know what? I just thought of something I have to ask. Like, I know where it came from, but like, what made you go with the name Valkaida? Like, for sure, knowing how controversial that would be. Um, well, it's the name on my birth certificate. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, don't. You're making me nervous. No, no, it's fine. No, I wasn't put on the no-fly list from birth, don't worry. <laughs> could you imagine? Um... If it was on your birth certificate, could, could you imagine? I'm like, good luck. Good luck travelling places. Do you know I, what I mean? Yeah, she was born in Guantanamo Bay. That's where she was born. Oh um, so, um <laughs> no so basically i also you know like 
all throughout your life, like, I'm sure you guys have at one point been called a terrorist by some racist person, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, somebody once said to me, go back to Afghanistan. And I was actually quite flattered because I was like, Afghani men are beautiful, you know, light skin, light eyes, light hair, mountainous regions. I was like, oh, thank you. But I'm not from Afghanistan. And I didn't realize that it was, you know, a racist sort of situation. But that's my story. And hey, dark skin people can be beautiful too, as well. Yeah, I was going to say, wow, you're editing that out, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you would say such a thing. Honestly, I think the emphasis is to be put more on dark skin people because they're really not seen as a beautiful, like the, be- the, the norm, the norm is for social beauty. When yeah, honestly, true. like people like to think Naomi Campbell, like, is fucking the, one of the most beautiful women in the world, and she's. Oh, yeah. So don't ever not have that confidence. Don't think that white is white because not all the time it's not. See, do you know what I've just done? I have united you two by oh, saying I, that I, comment. With, so you're welcome. To, I, I mean, this is what I do. I, I, I don't care what skin color. Like, just love the skin that you're in. There's too much focus on looking pale or looking lighter skin. That's associated with beauty. And within, in the Western world, if you have a nice tan, you're considered more healthier looking and, and more radiant. So which is a bit ironic. It's just different ends of the earth trying to look like the other person. But I, I, I've been bashed for my skin tone all my life growing up. And yeah, I learned to love my darker skin and I, I think it looks amazing. And, you know, going back to the point, you know, like being called a terrorist. So that's sort of where you're on. So you've been, you were called a terrorist, I'm assuming. Yes, um, I've been called a terrorist multiple, multiple times. Like had it shouted on the street. Like, like I think I've had to go back to Afghanistan a couple of times. Um, and I just thought like when I started drag, um, I knew that. I was going to be doing drag because I needed, I still, I, when I did the drag for the first time and people were like, you're going to do it again. I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to do it again. And I thought there's no one out there that represents me and is vocal about stuff that I need people to be vocal about. And I thought, all right, if there's no one out there that's doing that, why don't I become that person for other people in the future? So I thought, right, I need to start doing drag and I know it's going to be important and I need to be the voice of the people that think they're alone or that won't get heard. And I thought, right, okay, I'm going to do it. So I thought, what can I be called? And I went, like, Vinny, uh, my best friend, the Paul's Brook Club, like I said, he's like the Kaida to my bow. Like, all throughout my drag career, every single look that I've pretty much done, he's I've had to approve. He's literally like my manager, basically. Like, every, it's a collaborative effort. He's just not the one with the skills. Uh, <laughs> so um, we just kept going around, and I was like, oh, what about Pooja Pants? He was like, no, like, that's a bit weird, but it's kind of funny. But I was like, I'm also not Indian, so it's a bit disrespectful. So, and then we were both, well, I said, to, we've had this conversation so many times. I said, I said Valkyrie, and he said, he said Valkyrie. And every single time someone compliments my name, he will bust in and say, I chose it. <laughs> and it was just because, like, I get called terrorists so many times, so why not just turn the joke on other people and be part of the joke? So it's like something wrong, how she reclaimed... That slur against her. I reclaim Barkeda as a slur against me. Oh, how amazing. That's that so brilliant. That's so brilliant. And you know, when you talked about, and this is one thing that I picked when I was reading Tam Francis' autobiography, when he said, you know, if you don't see that representation, why did you come become it? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. And I, ha- I feel like I have become that representation. Like, I get messages on Instagram from 
faceless profiles that message me and say that hi like um a young muslim kid i need i need help on like how to come out to parents and advice but it's like how do you find me like i'm still under like 1500 followers and like people just find me and it's like shocking like i get like once a month and just to know that i help these people and that they can see that someone else is thriving that's been through the same thing it's like i can't stop doing that like even like recently i've had like a very much like an existential crisis right should i carry on doing drag but it's like little things like that like it just makes me think like i can't stop or at least i can't stop until the next person has come and i can help them but that's yeah. not happening anytime soon like unfortunately so i'm not stopping because i'm a voice for those people I think I think that's incredible, and I think it's so important to have that representation. You know, when when um, I found your account, I was like, okay, this South Asian drag queen, brilliant, called Valkyrie. I was like, I, con- I connected instantly because I was like, we don't see this, and it's so frustrating not seeing it because you know we love drag, and it's like we were just seeing the same same white queens all the time, and that doesn't represent us. Yeah, exactly. And like, I hope to get to a point where I had a platform big enough that. I could hopefully inspire other people to do it with me. And um, I don't think I've got the full platform yet, but mm. I'm getting there. And I have, I have inspired some people to start playing with it and thinking about the idea. And like, I've always offered my help because the drag scene is completely white run. Like, it's really, really disgusting. And like, it's, there's no representation. And like, I love my best friends, Ellen and Bob, and they're the best allies ever, Ella. Um, Ella best allies ever and they really help me but they also understand that and they want to help but they can't because like them helping how is that helping me they they want me to inspire other people to do it and like ellen did this um drag night that she ran herself and put her own money into and she called it melting pot and she got a drag queen from each sort of like marginalized community like a trans person a non-binary person um me a muslim drag queen a black drag queen like She's really, really, really passionate about making sure there's representation and inclusivity because she knows that her white privilege as a white person needs to be used to help other people. And I just love having people around that, that around me like that. And everyone needs to understand that you have a privilege, but you need to realise how to use it to help people. Wow. I agree with you. It is, it's really important, isn't it? So you say that um, of course, you, you didn't ha- see that representation within the drag community, within within the LGBT community, and you became that representation yourself. What has that been like, given the fact that you are working in uh, a predominantly white industry? Um, it is hard because with there not being many there's there's not many drag queens of color regardless of like south asian drag queens in manchester there's literally me black ivory um there's one called vanity black who's very very new like literally a couple months into it so she's still learning um there's jessica screams who's iranian but she paints herself white so she don't count <laughs> um <laughs> and there is um she came to slay who's also a really really new drag queen who's black and um I'm helping her as much as I can because I think she's got the potential to be like like working on the, working like in any bar right now because I think she's to level, up to that level right now. She's having enough practice. Um, so hopefully she's going to do the next big thing. But um, got, like right now, it's 
a thing of like white people help white people because they can relate to them sort of thing um i'm trying to think of a way to explain it yeah there's that familiarity i suppose isn't there that's just i suppose to a certain extent it's just instinctive to to sort of gravitate towards the people that you are familiar with and that's somewhere that racial bias can stem from as well and i've seen it work both ways in uh i've seen it where brown people will help brown people and white people will help white people but um we live in a multi multicultural society so it's a case of trying to find out how we can strike that sort of middle balance where we're all helping each other, right? Yeah, exactly. There's no proportional representation. Like, the gay village isn't what the world is like. Like, the gay village is, like, drag queen-wise, is 98% white and 3% people of colour, like, the drag queens. And that's not representing the actual village itself. Like, we're completely multicultural. Like, there's tons of people... And there needs to be that rep- like that representation because people need to find drag queens they relate to, which mm. is why people of colour relate to me and like they say, Oh, you're my favourite queen. And I was like, Well, obviously I'm fucking brown bitch. So I'm the other person you can relate to. <laughs> I'm brown bitch. <laughs> like it's there needs to be like it's it's annoying because a lot of people, um bar wise, see want to well they want to look inclusive but really what they're doing is tokenism Mm. and they're just saying oh wait we'll have one of them because and then we'll meet our quota but you can have seven white people and one person of color one drag queen of color how is that being inclusive yeah it's like tokenism it's like oh i've had one meet your quota like i can't tell you um I don't think I can tell you at all how many times I've worked with a drag queen of colour in a gay bar. I don't think I can. The only times I've worked with a drag queen of colour, I've worked with Black Ivory recently, was when it was Black Pride in Manchester. So, And that was run by um, a mixed-race gay man, and it was to highlight people of colour. That is so interesting. That is so interesting that you say that, Val. And and the reason why is we've recently recorded an episode with the Vixen and she has her show in Chicago called Black Girl Magic. And interestingly, one of the reasons or um, the place where that stemmed from was the fact that she found she wasn't working with black drag queens often it was a case of uh, a series of white drag queens and then one black drag queen it it was it was like you like you say meeting that quota which is which is so interesting and it's not um just the drag queen industry it's uh we've seen it in the 90s with modeling tyra banks naomi campbell they've all said it as well that you would be filling a quota it wasn't a case of celebrating people of color it was a case of just putting it in to not appear to be so sort of monotonous and and just sort of put that person of color in that grand scheme of things to break to break uh, to break it up a little bit but nothing more than than that have you ever thought of maybe doing something similar to black girl magic maybe desi girl magic or something oh my god imagine 
Yeah, no, but first off, the Vixen is literally one of my inspirations of life. Like, I love her so much, like, which is why I'm very political and, like, she gives me the bravery to be political. So I'm like, I'm full on jealous that you've done a whole episode with a bitch because I would probably cry. I'd love to do a show, something like Black Girl Magic with, like, the Vixen. I think she even put a tweet out one time saying, if you got, if anyone wants to do a Black Girl Magic show in their area, I will personally send you a care package and I'll tell you how to run it, and I just want it more about, don't think it's just my thing. And mm. I get really inspired by that, but there really isn't enough. There would be three people, of co- three drag queens of colour who are all Asian, and um, well, one Iranian, two Asian and one Iranian, and there will be one black drag queen, or two black drag queens, but I don't think it's enough for a black girl magic sort of thing, because there's really not enough of us, which is why I keep doing drag, because I hope to inspire people of colour to start drag so that I can actually get people that I relate to as well. Like, I want that sisterhood. Like, I want that um, sisterhood that you get with people of colour and, like, a drag queen of colour. Like, there's something that a white drag queen, like, wouldn't really know about because they've not experienced sort of, like, being a minority throughout their life. There's some things that you can only relate to other people of colour, and I really would like that, and I hope I keep going and can inspire more people to do drag and hopefully help them out and like do something like that that's that's, like unbelievable and i just love i i I see that idea you know like um like you know lgbtq plus people of color it's like there's an unspoken thing isn't there where you just get it yeah exactly you just relate yeah Mm. very very easily relate and i i love that and i hope we did see you know a disney girl magic or something because oh my god oh my god That'd be amazing. I would absolutely live to see that. So do you ever sometimes find that you you have to sort of change your performances a little or do something different to cater to the audiences for the bars? Um, yeah, well, the bar that I work at, um, they it's not the bar itself. It's just the customers. Like, mm. it's very much like an after-hours sort of club. So when people do, when they do performances, um, people don't come for the performances. They come because they're drunk and they just watch the performances because they're there so it's not like they're one of those customers like the the clientele that sort of don't watch performances like they're happy to watch the performances but they didn't come specifically for it so they just want to see it and be like wow and then keep when keep on drinking so i can't do mixes like with like spoken word or anything because they don't really go down well um it's sort of like a it needs to be a spectacle so it needs to be dance and it needs to be upbeat um so i feel like i'm not doing many performances that I actually want to do and that I want to do as a drag queen but places like Black Pride, Black Pride Vogel, shout out to Darren Pritchard who is the person running Black Pride in Manchester, um, he made that night and it was to highlight people of colour for Black Pride and he messaged me and he didn't know any other queens of colour so instantly I messaged him absolutely everyone that I knew that was either starting out in drag or um, that was a queen of colour. And he was like, oh, Val's getting the girls paid. And I was like, well, obviously, bitch, like, it's lonely being at the top. <laughs> <laughs> Val, I love your performance. I've seen clips uh, online and I love your puja number. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's everything. I just, that, that clip, what inspired you to put that clip in? And um, maybe on Instagram, we should put a link to that so people know exactly what we're, we're talking about. But it's that clip from uh, Big Boss, which is India's version of Big Brother, where Puja Mishra says, 
You want it. You're dying for it. Go on, you tell us you tell it. us about it. Um well yeah, no, it's just that went really viral, didn't it? Like all <laughs> everyone was just speaking about it, regardless of whether you're Indian or Asian or anything like that. Like it just went worldwide. Mm-hmm. And everyone kept telling like I would always do it with my friends and I was like, you know what? No one's actually put this in a performance yet. And like I think everyone's scared to because they're white. And I was like, bitch, I've got that brown privilege. I need to fucking do it. Mm. Um, so I just thought, right, fuck it. The best place I could do it at is at this Black Pride Vogue Ball because it's the audience is going to be all people of colour and like people actually watching the performances and want to see what you do. And I needed to be representative. And I thought, right, okay, let me do the Pooja number. And everyone went absolutely crazy. And people came up to me after that, they saying, your performance was a highlight of the night. Like, I was literally dying for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that so much. Honestly, it's so, so great. You should do more. Honestly, you should incorporate more stuff. That yeah. would be so cool. I would love that. Yeah, that's really good. So, Amir, you're looking at me. What's going on? Um, I just wanted to, you know, because Val's mentioned, like, um, using a platform. Mm. you know politically as well mm. and you know like the current political climate is very interesting isn't it <laughs> this is such a politically charged episode you know, but, but do you know what it's important you know it's important to use your voice and your platform to, yeah, to, but to like, talk about these things as the queen i'm just like very politically agnostic oh, I shut feel. Up. i'm trying to be really impartial here so um I'm, not, I'm the queen here so <laughs> this is true yeah yeah you're the queen <laughs> okay so i mean what was your question darling um oh yeah i was gonna ask how do you how do you feel about the you know the current political climate in in this nation right now and how do you think it can you know affect us or move forward or anything scary the climate that we're actually in um politics and voting for politics seems to be driven by racism and i think i was having this conversation with my husband's boyfriend before actually yesterday last night um and he was saying i remember a time where people were scared to say they were a tory and like you could actually get like beaten up for like saying that you're a Tory whereas everyone nowadays is so proud to just randomly say that you're a Tory and that you're supporting racism and you're supporting people in power that are racist like Boris Johnson who's called Muslim women letterboxes called gay people tank top bum boys um called black people watermelons with with watermelon smiles and etc and um people are getting brave enough to say it now because there's a bandwagon and they feel like they've got safety in numbers whereas before everyone was too scared because everyone was sort of like behind the scenes closeted races whereas it's very much socially accepted to be openly racist nowadays so it's a scary place to be and i don't really know what's going to happen for the future for the England. It's an uncertain time. I suppose the only certainty that we have is that there's a majority in Parliament and rather than having the uncertainty that we had following the previous election, this time we know that... It's shit. Yeah, this time we know that it's it's not swinging in the likes of ourselves, it's not swinging in our favour, but they will do what they want to do and then we'll see what comes out the other end. I think that's the only certainty that we have. But yeah, we're an ageing population and I think a lot of the Tory voters were sort of 60 plus. So there's a big... Uh, divide between ourselves as a younger generation. I still call myself young. I'm 30, but the older uh, and, and the older generation is very different 
schools of thought as it were which is a shame but yeah let's see what um mr johnson does i mean i i'm surprised like i i i always saw him in memes and i just always saw him as a joke really i'm surprised that people see take him seriously maybe i'm i'm, just, I, I'm not surprised maybe i'm just a little bit dejected from it all you know, I don't know. people th- this is how you know big things happen this is how all these awful leaders get into power through mm. using our humorous tactics and you know we don't know what we're doing sort of thing mm. but they're, they're very manipulative and they know exactly what they're doing goodness well i think i mean we could um start wrapping things up now I love oh how God, I could talk forever, you know. <laughs> yeah, we could talk to you forever, Val. You're like a sister. Like it's Aww. so nice, sort of talking and and you know having a chat. It's like, do you know what I mean? It feels great. Yeah. Up until like recently, I've not had many Asian Muslim friends. Um, I mean, Asian gay Asian friends because um, I used to be. I think being bullied in school by Asian guys. I used to like up until recently. I've been very scared of like getting close to Asian people because I'm always like, oh, what if they won't accept me? Or I'm just waiting for them to say something to me. Mm-hmm. And it's just nice to listen to your podcast and get back in touch with my roots because for a long time I used to deny them because I used to think that uh, they're against me. So why would I like l- like love that culture sort of thing? But listening to your podcast has really got me like back in touch with everything. And like it's just nice to feel... Like sort of, it's like it's like a home comfort. It's like, oh, this is what used to be from like like for me, like when I was younger, like with all like your Bollywood episode. I fucking loved it, and it just reminded me of so much. And Madhuri Dixit, my favorite film is Hamap Gaikon. Oh well, thank you so much for your kind words. That's very very sweet, and I'm um, I like you even more given the fact that you like Madhuri Dixit. And Hamap Gaikon is is a good film. It's a long good film with some yeah, good iconic to, moments. I used to have it on VHS. I used to watch it all the time. Oh my gosh, no way! <laughs> Do you know what? I think that's what has been the best part about doing the podcast. Anyway, is I I, and I completely understand where you're coming from with like that fear of you know gay South Asian because there's so much tied to that and our experiences of being bullied when we were younger and you know having a platform or doing something you connect with so many incredible people online and you see the representation everywhere and you yeah. you, you find people everywhere, don't you? Yeah, you're doing the Lord's work, honestly. You're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> so are you. So are you, Val. <laughs> okay, my dear. Well, until next time. For sure. Um, yeah, this has been really really great, Amit. And um, I just want to know, where can people follow you? You can find me at Val Qaeda on all social media platforms. That's well, all means Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's just Val Qaeda, um, like V-A-L-Q-A-E-D-A. And um, on Facebook, you can find me as Val Queen. For some reason, they won't let Qaeda be a last name. I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have a few uh, thoughts on why you might not be allowed that. But anyway. uh, well, email, email me the reasons because I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for your time, Val. And thank you so much for being really open and honest as well. Because I think people will relate to your stories a lot as well and it'll help them. No, thank you. I really appreciate what you guys are doing for the community and like your really good representation. Well done. Thank you. Love you. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Okay, okay, we are back. Hey. So that was fun, wasn't it? Do you know what? Always Mm. always a good time with Val. And also her story, girl. 
Hey, that's that sounds like uh, the name of a TV show or something. Good times with Val. <laughs> I think she'd like that. Yeah, Val Qaeda. If you want a good time with Val, enter her DMs. <laughs> I don't think she'd mind me saying. Yeah, no, uh, Val. Thank you so much for your time and 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 thank you very much for being a part of this podcast. It was a lot of fun recording. It was a lot of fun doing the live show. Let's keep going. Let's do more great things together. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Um, next week we've got a special Valentine's episode. Oh, that's what I was gonna do. I was gonna make a Val joke and be like, "This is a Val special episode, but not Valentine." Ha ha. But ha. that's another dad joke that's wasted on you, youthful individuals. Um, so, what next? Girl, you're a mess. <laughs> I, I am. Rusty. Um, well, you can follow us on Instagram at you don't love me underscore podcast. That is you don't love me underscore podcast. You can like us on Facebook as well. And you can follow us on Twitter at YDLM underscore podcast. That is YDLM podcast. underscore podcast. Tweet us, DM us, hashtag YDLM podcast. If you want to connect, if you want to work together, if there's any opportunities out there, girl, get us. We are here. We are ready. This decade is here. We're ready to kill it. Yeah, if you've got a point of view and are willing to offer revenue share, we will be there with a the microphone. <laughs> Trust and believe. There's so much truth in that right now. It's ridiculous. And we've got some really exciting episodes coming up as well. Yes, so, um, we do. I yes, am really looking yes. forward to it. And if anyone has any connection with, you know, Barack Obama, we'll get him on the show. Bring him in. Mm. Why not? Okay. I don't know why Barack Obama, but like yeah. it's like a big star, isn't it? Yeah, babe. Do you know what? Like you've been doing oh, this, Khan. You've been doing this podcast for six months. <gasps> Baron Devon. Yeah, like that's the level that you're at. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? so like, what I'm at. You've done it for six whole fucking months. Like, why not? Why Stuck wouldn't Shahrukh Khan be interested in you? But do you know what Varun Devon should be? I follow him on Instagram. Okay. You are interested in Varun Devon. <laughs> he has literally zero interest in you. Right. Ashwari Rai might come on it. No, she would. You never know. Okay, do you know what? I think the closest we're going to get is Lady Bushra. <laughs> that is how close we're going to get to Ishwar here, right? Lady Bunny then. Yeah, that could work. Oh, wow. Who do you think you are? Do you know what? Okay. Top three guests that you would like to have on the podcast. Wow, okay. Throw me under the bus. How is that throwing you under the bus? I'm literally giving you a microphone <laughs> okay. and a voice. Right now in life? Meow. Oh, I don't know. Do I just pick my fave? Like Rihanna, because she's my fave. Or do I go for someone that's good? Providing they're alive. Okay, can you pick first? No. No, please. You pick one, I pick one. Nope. That's really mean. Nope. Okay. I'm going to pick Rihanna because I... She's my fave. Okay. If you are choosing Rihanna, I would like RuPaul. Okay. I see you're Rihanna and I raise you RuPaul. Well, you lose. Um, <laughs> the next person I would like on the podcast would be um, Tan France. Okay. Tan France has my life, you know that, don't you? Uh, shut up. He has my the body that I should have had. He should have had. He has the face that I should have had. He has a career that I should have had. So, but not the husband. Very, this is a very sensitive topic. <laughs> yeah, he can keep the husband, but I want everything else. Okay, then. So, who are you picking? My number two would be Oprah. Ooh, yeah. good choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oprah, because like two reasons. One, I know that like. 
she's just she's her talent's somewhat inexhaustible and so's her voice like she can talk for england mm-hmm. or you know like she for the world let's face it um she she has that sort of relatability about her what she did with her show was genius i i that's really really inspiring and also because she's got so much money i know for a fact that if i recorded with her she'd give me a job at the end of it then fuck this podcast i'm off to work on wow. own net- i'm off to work on own network wow <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I'm only joking. But then it'd be like the You Don't Love Me podcast powered by Oprah. That would be amazing. <laughs> I would live. Forget about everything in life. Could I'm just sitting there cutely. Put these voices into uh, the universe, bitch. Speak into existence. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm, I think, right, can I have a third one and then some backups? Okay, no. I've decided. No. It's 50 50 girl. Okay. So um, I would have Adam Lambert. Pause for a second. What? You do realize we said bye to everyone. Yeah, I know. Like five Doesn't minutes matter. ago. If you're here, you're getting like the additional version. <laughs> Come on, Deluxe, bonus. the re up. <laughs> the re up, the remix. So, like, I would get Adam Lambert because I absolutely adore Adam Lambert and obviously Queen. But, like, as mm. backup ones, I'd love Billy Porter. Okay. Because, you know, that, that's great, isn't it? Okay. Uh, Ariana, because, you know, I love Ariana. She's cute. Mm-hmm. Um, Ollie Sykes from Bring With Horizon, because why not, like, change things up? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going on and on and on here, aren't I? You are. You know, I don't know. Just everyone. Okay. So... Who's your third? Okay. <laughs> um, my third would be Madhuri Dixit. Of course. Why? Yeah, because... She, you know, she's just her. <laughs> like, she's, yeah, she's my inspiration and I love her. And uh, one day I hope that she becomes my mum. Pardon? What? <laughs> I don't know. I just want her to, like, sit on me and keep me warm. <laughs> you know what? Like a chicken. You're a mess. Yeah, I You're am. an actual mess. <gasps> okay. Oh, my God. Do you know how to love on? Mm. Meghan Markle. Really? Yeah. I love oh. her. She's the true queen. Mm. Oh, is that blasphemous? No, it's not. That's religion. <laughs> oh my god, I don't even know anymore. Blasphemous. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know what? I stand our legends, our true king and queen, Harry and Meghan. We love you. I wonder what's going to happen when the queen dies. We're going to have a lot of days off. I don't think we are. No, me neither. We have such a strong work. I think I'm going to mourn. Yeah. I'm just going to wear black, as opposed to like what? Very true. I don't know. I feel like when the Queen dies... Oh, do you know what? I don't want to get into She's it. She's not going to die I feel like the, it's not blasphemous, but it is, do you know, in this nation. Do you know what? I don't think it was like 10, 15 years ago, but nowadays everyone is like hyper-royalist and everything. I think we could say that for an episode, you know. What? People being a royalist. Okie dokie, guys. Thank you very much for joining oh. us. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.